0: So like, I keep saying, I can't wait to try, you know, an actual like 60 minute, you know, 45 minute climb. You know, there's no mountains around here, but I might go and visit a friend just because I'm like, I want to feel what that feels like.
3: Hello, I'm Michael Hutchinson, also known as Dr. Hutch, and welcome to Faster, supported by Cycling Weekly. This time, we're talking about the biggest change in bike racing we've seen this century. And it's not on the road, nor on the wind tunnel, nor even on the gravel. If you're a luddite, it's much more frightening than all of those. It's online.
0: There's no kind of off season in Zwift. Like you can race every day, every hour, 365, you know, days. And it's hard for somebody like me who just like wants to keep going and do this. And 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 I'm always told, uh, you know, rest is also good.
3: This show is about eSports, and in particular Zwift, which has revolutionised not just where bike racing happens or how it happens, but more importantly who can do it. Because Zwift is open to anyone from anywhere. By last year it had up to 50,000 riders online at once, and over 2.5 million subscribers worldwide. And Zwift boomed during the pandemic. For a few weeks in 2020 it was the only bike racing you could watch of any sort. With footage of the peloton accompanied by blurry video streamed from phones in pro bike riders kitchens, often is not complete with random family members wandering in to make coffee, load the dishwasher and ask when on earth they'd be finished, which is just the sort of question you get from any other director sportif when you're having a bad day. And e-racing doesn't happen in isolation. The Zwift Academy is a talent search programme that has already found several pro riders, Chania Erath, a European champ silver medalist, Neve Bradbury, who finished in the top 10 at the Giro Donna, and perhaps best known, the Australian Jay Vine, who's gone on to some high profile rides for alpecin de Koenig.
1: The sheer amount of pain that you have to go through to make sure that you're holding that wheel, because obviously if you are dropped in the first 20 minutes of that bike race, you are you're outside time limit, you are not coming back. It's very uh, reminiscent of my uh, Swift racing from last year.
3: We'll hear from Jay a little bit later in the show, in an interview that, like the others in this show, was recorded a few months ago, and in his case in particular, before he won the world esports title at the start of this year. First, though, I talked to someone whose entire bike racing career has happened online, and whose real-life trophy cabinet is as empty as her online one is full.
0: Kristen Kolczynski, and uh, I ride for Team 2024 now. It was Team 2020, but now we they changed their names, uh, going with, like, the cycles of olympics <laughs> so i'm also the number one ranked uh swift power rider in the world um female there's somebody who just snuck by but she's actually not real like they can't we all get verified and we have to like use dual equipment and things like that so this person just is kind of like a fake <laughs> fake what
3: <laughs> my, my, i mean my first question is a like kind of quite an obvious one i can see how i ended up doing some zwift racing and i can see how someone who rides road races someone who rides mountain bike races i can see how you get into zwift racing how do you get into zwift racing if you're basically a non-bike rider
0: um i mean i i grew up in a very athletic family my my brother and my dad were triathletes so like i always kind of knew about cycling and you know, my brother would always watch the Tour de France and things like that um, growing up. And my ex-fiance was a cyclist and I would travel around with him going to all of his races. And when he came to move to New York City, he was looking for a training tool to kind of keep him, you know, uh, in shape for his upcoming races. So he he actually got me into it. He was like, you, you would love this. I was like, oh, awesome. And I guess at the time, um, there's like a, a gym called the Equinox and they were doing like these pursuit classes, which is, you basically are just competing with everyone in the class. And I would come home every week and be like this girl and this guy. And my, my boyfriend at the time was just like, Kristen, can you just get a bike already? Like, just get a bike and go outside. So probably shouldn't have gone a time trial bike as my first bike, but, uh, got a time trial bike, and there was really no place to kind of learn in New York for me. So we would drive out to like, um, you know, Long Island and things like that. And (laughs) I was trying to understand how how to ride this bike, and I was taking it on the grass just in case I fell. Yeah, so that turned into my Zwift bike, because then he started racing on it. Um, Well, he started like, he started training, and then I just kind of so, so just, just,
3: I'll, I'll pick this up again in a second. When, when, when you say you don't really ride outside, we mean you pretty much can't ride a bike or am I?
0: No, I mean, like I can ride a bike, yeah. but the whole, like, I mean, just I Just that kind and, of bike. Yeah. I, I, I said, yeah, I mean, now I have a road bike and now I'm riding it outside, but, um, I think there was just too much going on, like, like going into an arrow position, being clipped in, there was just too much. <laughs>
3: we we were we were talking about yeah. kind of yeah of you getting Zwift bike and
0: <laughs> Well it turned into my like my Zwift bike. Um so and and at the the start of Zwift, I guess I started three years and seven months ago. At first it was just kind of like a fun thing for me and I just kind of was doing it racing here and there. But I probably got extremely serious last year. At the start of COVID, I moved to my parents' house in Long Island, and I thought it was going to be for a few weeks and this and that. Um, I didn't take really any of my stuff from my apartment. And um, like a month goes by, and my ex, who I'm like best friends with, he said, Kristen, you really should start doing all these Zwift races, you know, because like everyone who can't, you know, go outside, they're doing the CRCA series on Zwift. And you can get on a team and this and that. And I was like, oh, I'm like, that's pretty cool. So I went back to the city, got my bike, got my trainer, and I started riding. And and he was trying to talk to a few teams um, in New York, just seeing like, hey, you know, my friend Kristen, she's really strong, blah, blah, blah. And then this girl, Christina, um, I did a race with her. And she was like, oh, she could be on my team. So I joined her team. <laughs> and then, um, like, I started following some of the pros that I was like, Oh, this girl is a pro. Oh, this girl's elite. And like, when you, on the Zwift companion, when you start to follow these people, um, you see what races they're doing. And there was like a whole group of girls, um, very strong girls that were kind of doing the same series every Tuesday and Wednesday. So I just started racing and I started to get some like good results. And, uh, for the first time in my, like, since I was on Zwift, um, Josh had said to me, like, you should probably start, like, let's start training you. Like, let's start looking at your numbers and like where, you know, you want to improve. And I'm not a good sprinter. I definitely have longer power. Um, so we just try to like work on my sprint and I was getting better results.
3: Given you've Kind of specialising in this totally, maybe, maybe this is something you haven't got a great perspective on, actually. But do you think you've got any advantages over athletes who have come from a more traditional road background? Because actually, it is—it's quite a different thing. And you know, I, I find it—I find Zwift racing funny, but I wonder if I wonder if just doing it, you know, doing it as a, as a complete specialism from the beginning—if you think that gives you any advantages?
0: I don't know if it gives me an advantage over any of the other racers because they're they're all doing it and a lot of them are racers outside um I definitely it's something you have to understand like the uh drafting and the the way that the game works almost you know with um I mean the start of every Zwift race is just the first three minutes is going to be go as hard as you can and you know, even at the start of some of these Premier League races, like, people would just get dropped off. Like, if you are not, like, going all out in the beginning, it's it's hard to kind of get back on uh, with with everybody. Also, when we do the team time trials, yeah, you have to kind of understand the way that the game works with the draft, like, because if you if you go a little too hard, you'll find yourself, like, way too far in front. But then the power of the draft behind they'll just kind of blow past you because they're going at such a high speed. So, um, but that's the cool thing because this is all I know when I go outside before I broke my ribs, I'm like, Oh my God, like, this is so crazy. It's so, it's so different, but like, I love it. Just, it's just so different compared to what I've, I've been used to. Uh, I, you know, I'm on the highway like riding cause they have a big shoulder and a truck passes me by, and I'm like, "Whoa!" And I'm like, "Now I know why they use the truck draft." <laughs> Man, I was like, "This is crazy." Um, one of my best friends, who I was on her team last year before I became on 2024, she she's going to come visit me, and she's like, "I can't wait to ride with you." And you, like, she's like, "I I want you to like feel what a draft feels like." When you know, with me in front, and I was like, "Oh my god!" So it's very cool and exciting. Um, kind of going, I guess from Zwift and trying to learn outside. It's also been very interesting to see like what numbers I produce on my bike inside. And then like to feel it outside, it's been like really very cool. And I wanna go and I love um, riding the the climbs in, in Zwift, on Zwift. And uh, so like I keep saying, I can't wait to try, you know, an actual like 60 minute, you know, 45 minute climb. You know, there's no mountains around here, but I might go and visit a friend just because I'm like, I want to feel what that feels like.
3: So what, um, what kind of numbers did you for sort of 45 minute climb and thrift, what kind of numbers are you hitting?
0: Like my 20 minute is 5.3, but I want to, I want to actually, my goal is to get that up this year. Um, we were kind of like working on my sprint for a few months. So I kind of like lost some of my longer power numbers. Um, but I was like, "All right, the sprint is not happening. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's just make my my longer power numbers like uh, untouchable, so people just can't keep up. My legs don't like to move fast, so I'm like trying to, you know, work on the sprint, and I'm just like." <laughs> It's not happening.
3: Yeah. It's like, you're describing my track career. That 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 went much the same way. <laughs> um, so what, what, I mean, in terms of training then, what are you, what are you doing? Cause as you're training at the minute, still based indoors.
0: Yeah. So, so I'm constantly getting yelled at for doing too much. Like I'll get my training plan and I'll go over, um, and I'm getting yelled at for that. But, um, usually I, I did just take a two week completely off the bike break, um, to kind of get ready for that next kind of block of training. So right now I've just been doing easy endurance and kind of getting my, my, uh, um, I guess endurance back. Um, So,
3: so what kind of length rides are we talking about here?
0: Uh, so I'm usually scheduled for 90 minute, um, 90 minutes, but I tend to go like on the weekend. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go for three hours. Um, not hard, crazy all the time, depending, uh, on what I'm doing, but, um, like we'll do, uh, I think this week we have some tempo, um, set up, um, two by (laughs) thirties. I'd have to check my, my coach who again is my ex fiance, but he's amazing, (laughs) amazing We're best friends. Um, he, let's see. I mean, I spoke to him about like what I want to improve this year. Like I really want to get my 20 minute power higher, um, and my five minute and one minute. Um, but let's see, see what we've got scheduled today. Again, I like, I'm, I'm coming off of a, a break. Um, also like when we were doing premier league, it was eight weeks every, every week. And we kind of had three seasons almost back to back. So I think a lot of people were a little, um, worn out because there's no kind of off season in Zwift. Like you can race every day, every hour, 365, you know, days. And it's hard for somebody like me who just like wants to keep going and do this. And, and, and I'm always told, uh, you know, rest is also good. So yeah, there's tempo on the schedule this week, two by 15 at 88%. There's certain like, things that he gives me that I'm like, oh, that was so fun. Like I love over unders. I love like these ladder drills that he gives me. I like, I just, I find it all very fun and exciting um, because like I've done so much like training with trainers, um, like weight training and things like that. So for me to actually listen, like I never kind of listened to him when we were together. So the fact that I'm like listening and just doing the work and, you know, I think it's, I think also because he does know me so well, like he knows like what he needs to give me. And when I do go over by like an hour, hour and a half, he's like, oh, that's Kristen. <laughs> like, I did Everesting a few few weeks ago. Um, well, no, now months, months ago. It was my first time and I had some technical difficulties with the um, my electricity going out, but uh, it, it um, took me 10 and a half hours. I wanna get that time down. I think you can there was a girl that did in seven and a half hours, but she chose like the route. Um, I did it up Alp to Zwift. And I guess the way if you're really going for the record, which I eventually want to go for, you go just up the radio tower. Up and down, up and down. Yeah.
3: <laughs> that's a long time on the trip that's a long time on the train, or can I just say ten and a half hours?
0: I feel like when I did that. I, I feel like nothing is as hard. Like when even things in life, like I'll be like, you know what? This seems hard, but that bike, being on the bike that long, this is easy.
3: <laughs> uh, to, to, to kind of call back to something we, we, you mentioned a minute ago, one of the things about Zwift is, as you say, there is... I race every hour of every day of every week of the year. There's a Zwift race, some Zwift race or other you could be, you could be doing. Do you use, do you race a lot? Do you use racing as part of your actual
0: training? I, I was racing a lot during the winter. Um, also because I wanted to keep my, my number one ranked, you know, Swift power. So like you have to constantly look for the races to keep your rank, rank up. Um, it's, I really enjoyed like during the winter on a Saturday um, like there was always the same kind of people that would do the kiss race that was like 9:15 in the morning uh, New York time um, and then on Sundays there was another there was another race um, that a lot of people were doing so you you would kind of do the races that you were familiar uh, but, well actually also the quality of the racers it was they're always pretty um, packed with like some some major talent. So I try to find those races um to to kind of yeah, cuz I feel like you get stronger when you race against stronger people. So like I would always hop in uh, in the guys races and and you know like <laughs> actually this is really interesting too. Um in some of these races like if you're so it's very important like when you are going up the mountain or hill Um, and then it's going to go down. If you are not on those wheels of those guys, like goodbye, they're out there because they weigh so much more than, than me. They just, you, you won't be able to catch back on. So it's like, I would die. I'd be like, and, and funny enough. Um, so sometimes my coach would watch my races and he would be on discord with me and just be like, you have five seconds to get back on there or, or else bye-bye like wait for the next pack so it's a good way to like push yourself so I think during the winter racing um specific races were a part of my my training as well but right now I'm just literally not doing any races I'm just sticking to my training program
3: (laughs) I, I must admit I can I can see the temptation to race 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 I found last winter on Zwift I just logged on every evening and and looked for a race that was like 50 kilometers, 50 kilometers ish. It was going to take an hour and a bit. That was the sort of training I wanted to do. and just went and I did that every night for night after night after night. And it does. Firstly, you get, I found I got quite stale just doing that again and again and again. And secondly, I was only pushing the same kind of training buttons over and over again. I wasn't doing kind of the longer steady stuff. And it just became, it became quite a bad habit. I think see if you specialize, you know, if, if you specialize in doing what you do, I can see it, to would be very tempting to over race.
0: I think there was, I think I was getting to that point. There was, bec- it was becoming almost like, not, obs- maybe a little obsessive of just like, oh, now let me see, let me see. And right before I took my break, I was hitting numbers that I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, wow. And, and, um, because there was a series, uh, there was like a, t- a Tempest budget, like series that every week i was kind of doing this time trial and i was like trying to beat my time like my power each week or my time each week um but it was good training too because like when you kind of push yourself i, I always feel like in the middle of one of those races that you, like the time trials you're just like okay <laughs> like you hit this point of like why did why am i doing this why am i doing this and then you just got pushed through
3: Zwift seems like a very straightforward way to compete at a very high level. Because I was watching recently the Olympics, um, the Olympic particularly the Olympic track racing, with twenty five thousand pound bikes and five thousand pound skin suits, and it's to compete at a high level there is very expensive and very difficult. And it seems that Zwift's quite a nice way to compete against really genuinely good people for a fraction of the price and without actually without having to leave home I mean I think that's quite yeah. a strength
0: yeah I mean I definitely with um like the convenience of just having it yeah right here um and like now that I've been I was dabbling outside I was like oh man like the greatest thing about swift is like okay I'm getting ready for my race or training and like oh I want a cup of coffee or like oh I have to go to the bathroom and you know I was I was driving to where i was going to go ride and i'm like ah oh, i have to i have to pee where am i gonna pee? like there's no place to pee. um and i also discovered like <laughs> which was amazing when i was riding i mean the montauk where i am is so windy because there's just water on all sides of you and i was discovering like because when i'm climbing on zwift in a race like i usually will stand and when i went outside i was i was like oh wow Sometimes you don't want to stand because the wind, it's going to like you're hitting more of the wind. It, it was so interesting to me. But um, like so all these things, I mean, when I was with uh, my ex, who also like for seven years, all I would hear was this, this about it'll save me a fraction of time and like aerodynamics. And so like I, I'm i so I've heard all of these things, but now because I'm taking it so serious the past like year, I'm like, Oh, that's what he was talking about. Oh, Oh yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) Like so many things. I mean, it's just so funny. Like in the past year of taking how, how, when I really started to take it very seriously, um, like how many things I had to get, like, I was like, Cause my old bike, it actually broke, but being on the team, I got a, a team bike and, and I didn't know that you have to charge, <laughs> charge up the little chargers. So I, I get the bike and I'm like, Oh my God, is it broken? Like, how, how do I get it from the big ring to the little ring? And he's like, press both buttons. He's like, did you charge it? And I'm like, I have to charge this thing. <laughs> so <laughs> like, there's been so many things that I've, I've learned, Um, but with, with Zwift racing, like with the premier league, there was also, you know, they want to make sure everybody is doing it legit and, um, not cheating. So like you have your, your smart trainer, and then you also have your dual power and we have to like send in both of the files and they actually watch us. We log into a zoom call so they can make sure that we're the ones, you know, racing and, and there's just so much. And. At the time, like, I also never had a computer. I had to buy a computer. And it's just been, like, at the time, everything just seemed, like, how do I do this? How do I do that? And um, I was crying a lot just trying to figure everything out. And my mom's, like, are you having fun? I'm, like, yes. (laughs) I'm, like, like, this is just a perfect example of, like, if you really want something bad enough, like, it's worth it. And I'm so glad I just kept kept.
3: So Zwift can be a career in itself. But what if you want to get out of the digital world and into the real world where crosswinds are less forgiving and you can break a real collarbone rather than a virtual one? Some of you may remember Dan Fleeman as a pro bike rider from a few years ago. These days at Dig Deep Coaching, he's responsible for designing the programs that the Zwift Academy uses
2: for talent spotting. I asked him how it all worked. The stakes are quite high because the winner gets a contract with either Alps and Fenix or Canyon shrimp. So I guess there's two types of people that go for it. There's the pure Zwifters that, um, you know, they see it as an opportunity. They're already good at Zwift, but then there's also the people that find out about the program and think, well, I might ride a little bit on Zwift, but I'm not a pure Zwifter. I'm actually a pure road racer, but this is an opportunity to showcase myself. Um, and, and that's basically Jay vine last year who won the, um, Zwift Academy. Um, I think people think he was a, you know, just a Zwift guy who suddenly now riding in the tour Spain. Well, actually he was, he was a, um, a road racer and he got uh, third in the sun tour, um, the year before. And then due to the pandemic, he didn't have opportunities, um, to race. He was, he was actually planning to go and race, um, in Europe. Last year, but then he obviously couldn't. So um, he used the opportunity and grabbed it with both hands. So, so,
3: so I guess then the question follows that is, what do you know? Given we've talked about the difficulties you get if you're a real life, a real world racer who comes as swift. Mm if you are i mean maybe jay's not the best ever example since you don't get to be third in the sun tour unless you're a fairly competent real world real life racer anyway yeah but what do people who are doing that journey from zwift to real life what do they find most difficult
2: i guess it's a complete flip uh, reversal of what we talked about you know the the tactics and you know the bike riding skills element that's that's the hardest and it was actually that was the hardest uh, thing for us to kind of vet last year because due to the pandemic the even the finals was done virtually so we wasn't on a location we didn't get to ride with these people we didn't see what they you know we knew their power we knew they was very strong but how are they at riding a bike can they put a rain jacket on and take a rain jacket off can they get water bottles you know all these things can they corner you know basic simple elements of a a bicycle race
3: and it's also I mean real life racing is generally a fair bit longer isn't it because yes you don't get, you don't get a lot of five and six hour swift races
2: no I think that's very a very relevant point because I think if you read the forums and or the Facebook groups and things people are always saying oh well these riders the certain riders on Zwift and they're doing the power that world tour pros are doing but I always think well they are but they're only doing it for 30 or 40 minutes you know there's a big difference
3: yeah, or um, you know, the, the World Tour guy might be doing it for, might only be 30 or 40 minutes, but they've maybe done five and a half hours of yeah. 270, 280 watts, the little acceleration, the little rises, the little, you know, it, it, it is quite different.
2: Yeah, and that's where um, last year Jay stood apart from a lot of the other, because fin- there was five finalists in, um, in Zwift yeah. Academy, five male, five female. And we got them to do some fatigue rides. So, for example, we'd get them to do um, a three or four-hour ride um, outside, and then they'd come in and without they'd have thirty minutes to get ready, and do um, like uh, for one example was a, a, an interval session on Zwift that we made because we could see what everybody could do when they was fresh, but wanted to do what people could, see what people could do when they're fatigued, and that's where Jay massively stood out.
3: Jay, as you'll have guessed, is Jay Vine, Zwift Academy winner in 2020, and now riding with Alperson de Koenig. Since the Academy he's been second in the Tour of Norway, and he was very unlucky not to take a memorable stage win in the 2020 Vuelta. I started out by asking him how his bike riding career had begun, and how it had led him to Zwift.
1: Basically I started riding to and from high school, and in year 12. and. Sort of then started pretending to ride mountain bikes shortly after that. By pretending, I mean, trying to be at the elite level of Australian mountain biking by only doing six hours a week. But the races were about five hours long. So that that's what I mean by pretending. Um, but, you know, after two or three years of uh, not doing too well at that, um, picking up a road bike and really starting to commit to structured training. I met the coach that I'm still with now and we worked up from a 300 uh, watt FTP that I just got by riding my bike every day all the way up to 430 where I am now.
3: And, and what what do you weigh just to give me a grasp of that?
1: 69 kilos.
3: Okay, that's quite so, that's quite, that's pretty healthy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, but I mean, when I first started, I was, I, I literally was just out of high school. So, I mean, I was 83 kilos or something like that. It was horrendous. Um, the, yeah, I, I had no concept of diet or anything like that. So there's been a, there was a, there was over the years, there's been a massive push of, more training more dieting all that sort of stuff so yeah
3: and you were you were clearly riding a lot of road races in Australia
1: oh absolutely I mean 20 2017 I went from 2017 doing about three to four sort of state to national amateur level races to 2018 being doing my first road Nationals which I didn't finish I was I was pulled one lap before the finish, which constitutes a DNF, even though there was no chance of me being lapped or anything, anyway. But, um, so that was a DNF, but I went from, yeah, three races the year before to, I think I did something like 32 races at state to national amateur level in that year in 2018. Um, Really just trying to get as much experience as I could And then going into 2019, when we went to, um, over to New Zealand in January to try and, well, do the, the UCI racing over there. And then the following year doing the Herald Sun Tour, which is up until 2020, well, the start of this year was my biggest event. Um, I mean, it had three, four, four world tour teams in the actual race and, Had two mountaintop finishes, so yeah, I've I've done I've done a fair bit of road racing.
3: Tell so tell me then about Zwift Academy. Firstly, firstly, how does that actually work? Because it's not quite as simple as they have a race and whoever wins it gets a pro contract. I know that. And secondly, how did you end up doing it? Because it's a it's a bit of a sideways zigzag if you're working through. A career that involves things like Harold Sunter and working your way up there, getting results, and getting yourself noticed. So, so Absolutely. that's kind of like,
1: yeah. if if you're following along with like the time scale and the maths on all this, I essentially started my road racing career at 23. So most like like and everyone that i have spoken to essentially written me off for turning pro from 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 day dot because when I picked up a bike at 19 doing my mountain biking stuff, I'd already been told, you've got no hope. You should have started this 12 years ago and have been riding since you are eight years old, essentially. Um, But after, after, after doing New Zealand Cycle Classic and enjoying the process of racing every day, I mean, it was only a five day race, but that whole experience to me of traveling you know, outside, that was my first trip outside of the country. So I, first trip overseas was to a bike race. The traveling, the, you know, it's a slightly different culture, but like everything that was involved with it. And then the actual bike racing side of it was such an intriguing thing to me that I really wanted to try and pursue it as a career. And everything was sort of proceeding as planned with Herald Sun Tour last year to, get some more race starts. We had some race starts for some Asian UCI racing with Malaysia, Japan, um, Philippines, but the, the Zwift Academy really up until last year had only been for under 23s. So it hadn't even been on my radar to actually pursue the contract through the organization. But with, with COVID and Someone, someone on the Zwift side obviously made the point of, you know, we're going to offer the pro contract with the pro team, not just the development contract with the development under 23 team. We should open this up to elites as well. I I knew with the way the world was going and Australia not allowing us to travel, it was, it was the only, the only meaningful way of being able to show my stuff because I mean, the amateur racing in Australia is really good. Like, don't get me wrong. It's, it's not, it's not easy, but it just doesn't get the notice that it, yeah. that it that really deserves. Like you, you get more notice by a, a club Kermis, in, in Belgium that has the right, um, pro riders show up to it than you would at the top amateur level in Australia.
3: So then how does, how does Zwift Academy work? What do you, what do you, what what you, tell, tell tell me what the Zwift Academy is because I sort of know, but actually it'd be much more helpful if you told me.
1: Yeah, essentially, well, from, from, from what I did last year, it was essentially 12 sh- sessions that the, the whole idea is you're supposed to um, prove that you've got power capabilities on, in every zone, essentially that you can, you know, produce high watts for sprints, high watts for um, uh, anaerobic. So your one minute, two minute type stuff, your 30 seconds and how repeatability repeatability of all those different things all the way down to your longer FTP sort of efforts and how well you can thread all of those together in one in one ride as well. So an individual workout, they call them a workout, but Really, if you're going for the, the actual contract, you want to be hitting your best numbers in that workout. You're not actually wanting to be, um. It's not the revision, it's the exam. Correct, correct. It's not (laughs) you're not actually wanting to show improvement in the, in the workout. You're wanting to be showing that you are the best in that workout. And, um, obviously there's a breakdown between watts per kilo and absolute watts. And that's something that the selectors Obviously, take into account. They're not, if if, if Alperson are sort of after a, a lead out guy to do the last from 5Ks to 3Ks, they're not going to select me. Even though I've done that job a little bit this year, I'm not the ideal rider to do that. They want yeah. someone with probably an extra 10 kilos. You've got
3: to say you're 10 kilos too <laughs> tall. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Who can actually do the watts without getting out of the saddle.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, so there's a bit of differentiation in that. But, Essentially you go through the the 12 sessions, you know, there's eight sessions where we're looking at one particular task, which is your sprint or your VO2 or your FTP. And then there's three to four sessions where we're combining all those things together to see how you can recover after doing maximal efforts and how those maximal efforts affect your other zones afterwards. So basically, we're trying to see if you can ride for more than three hours.
3: Yeah, That's and there's not yeah. is, is there much actual racing in this or is it best around the workouts?
1: Uh, there was there was two races that I did, one which was essentially just an FTP test. We went up the Von 2 climb, oh, yeah, um, yeah. which was, I think, 45 minutes or something like that. And on Zwift, it's the climbing in Zwift is just a Watts per kilo test. So just yeah. put your head down and do the Watts that you can do. There was also a race that we did, um, on a flatter course. And I mean, if, if you're strong enough and you get the correct time, like the correct race with not much competition, it becomes another Watts per kilo test. So, yeah. um, the, the racing, I don't think really, did much of the selection process because i mean you there you weren't you weren't you couldn't you didn't just have to do one race either so if you didn't win the first race you could always sign up to another race in six hours time and and win the next one so yeah i i don't think that really played much into it i think it was mainly how 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 the what sort of played out across the race. And if there was an obvious drop off at the end and stuff like that. But after that, then it got to the real exciting bit, which was the, the finals, which I thought were, um, quite, quite difficult mentally in the sense that there was no feedback. So, I mean, in previous finals, there's, you've all, you've flown, everyone's flown out to the same place. And everyone gets the same. Uh, everyone stands next to each other, and they do the tests. You know, they do the sprint test next to each other. You know, even if they're doing an FTP test on a trainer, it's right next to the other person. So there's always that um, competition of just go until the person next to you stops. You know, then then you know you've won. But there was, in this there was there was no feedback, so it was really a mental challenge of you've got to go to your limit and then go a little bit more just to hope that it was better than everyone else in the final. Um, You know, we all had the same equipment. So we all got sent um, the the exact same trainers um, by Zwift. So that, you know, brand new out of the box. So theoretically they were all exactly the same. Uh, We all had to do a proof of uh, weight um to make sure that we weren't obviously oh it's yeah it's about five percent that'll that'll do you know (laughs) know, three kilos that'll be fine but yeah apart from that we were just left to do to do the the sessions by ourselves and one of the 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 hardest session that they they did was they they took the the final hour of matthew vanderpoel's amstel gold winning race in 2019 i'm pretty sure yeah. That was the yes. one where he. That was that one. Yeah, that was, that was the one. Yeah. <laughs> it was the last hour of that workout tailored to your FTP, which they got the previous day in an FTP test. So there was no faking it. So you obviously went full gas in the FTT test the day before. And then they took that number and applied it to the workout. So it was an incredibly hard work. Like the it started off with, a, it started off with a maximum 20 second sprint into a VO2 effort. And I think the first, it was it was full gas for the first seven minutes before it finally gave you a little bit of a break. And I just remember, I remember getting four minutes in and going, this is, I've got another 56 minutes of this to go. This has <laughs> got to get easier, but you know, you, you keep plugging through and Um, you know, it's, it's just incredible to think that he was able to do that session after already have completed four hours or four and a half hours of bike racing. Like that's the sort of level you need to be at to win Amstel. And to have, to have sort of no, no feedback. I think I got, I I think I got one text message after that, um, that workout the day after saying, congratulations you did the best the best workout and the best numbers in the workout so good job but that was it
3: (laughs) and that kind of that's how you got the contract you've got with Albus and Fenix yeah?
1: yeah yeah. Um, in the end you know getting the contract it was still only for one year with no guarantee of actually getting an extension coupled with the, where in Australia, the teams in Europe, obviously something has to sort of move and the team's not going to come to Australia. So, um, yeah, taking a massive leap of faith of sell everything. That way we've got some money to put up for the visas for Spain, um, you know, rent an apartment, do all this. I mean, it's December 22nd as well that I'm confirmed. To have gotten this contract, so we're five weeks out from essentially start of racing in Europe. It's extraordinarily quick turnaround. Um, I was able to get over here for March third, so it was it was it was still it was still three months in trying to turn around and brown visas. And that's that's just not what
3: you need when you're also thinking right turning pro in europe riding some of the biggest races in the world it would be a nice time to relax and do a little bit of training rather than yeah yeah it's not perfect is it
1: not perfect and also you know like i've i've got to i've got to get there like this is you know i'm burning daylight here we're three months in and i still haven't done my race to 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 get another year over here um yeah but you know luckily enough the team put faith in me to do tour of Turkey, which is, gee, I look back at it eight days. It's nothing compared to the Volta of España, but eight days of racing was like more than I'd ever done before in a row. And stage five being the hilltop was, was usually when I'm finishing a bike race, not getting into, getting into the hardest stage of the race. So, so.
3: that's, that's a really big step up just in terms of volume, duration, and probably just the speed of the racing yeah it's a really big move to make in one in one jump
1: absolutely it was it was it was a good starting block though because i look back at it and my career this year in europe has really been good in the sense that turkey was a longer race so long kilometers wise longer days wise but it had Not every world tour team there. It also, not every world tour team had an interest in the GC. So that removed a bunch of riders out of the equation of wanting to be there on the the main pivotal stage. Um, The roads weren't crazy small. So that removed another factor out of the the jump to Europe, which I would then have to learn and work out in in later races, but it wasn't all just all at once. You know, here's we're going to put you into Rainer Adriatico for your first race. You know, yes. Wet World Tour, pogachar, like that. <laughs> doing narrow, twisty, narrow, twisty, all the World Tour teams, all at once. <laughs> yeah, like. You can see the progression in my racing. There has been a logical sort of steps in the in the yes in in the formula, and I think it sort of gave me the best best chance, really.
3: What are the I mean, what are the limitations of it as a talent spotting tool? If you set that aside, because it's quite a jump from doing kind of the academy stuff to actually rocking up in an Alps and Fennec jersey at the start of Tour of Turkey or the start of Vuelta Espana, um, are there limitations to doing it, to, to looking for talent that way?
1: Absolutely. I think you can't just be a Zwift rider and I, I, think, I think a good, I think I've been a good example of you need to have background experience in amateur types, type racing. You need to have shown interest in trying to do some UCI racing, um, even if it is at 2.2 or 0.1 level. Um, You need to have, you know, at least have some background in doing KOM attempts for for, on on Strava, you know, little things like you need to have ridden your bike in the real world for more than an hour, Um, done some adventure rides, you know, have yeah. you done that 250k ride from your house to the coast to show that you've got the endurance? Um, can you thread, you know, eight weeks of training together that's more than 10 hours a week, preferably up around the 15 to 18 hours a week, back to back to back? Because that's what you're going to need at this level.
3: The route into sort of top level pro bike riding is still very European based it's going down a very quite a narrow funnel the ways you get and the ways you get noticed are quite few and far between
1: absolutely but i don't and it's and i'm not raging against the machine here like i understand it's a european sport like i mean i think it'd be pretty sad if all of a sudden we started um introducing classics in australia like I, i i do think we've got our five main monuments and our classic season is european based it'd be disappointing that if we then added more classics in America and classics in Asia. We wouldn't get our, 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 shining stars all going to the one, the one race and having those amazing, those amazing stories. But we do, I do think that we should take notice of the lower level racing in other countries. And the, I think, I think there's a financial incentive to get better bike riders from from around the world um but until teams can actually visualize the financial incentive they're not really going to want to risk it
3: I mean kind of from from a performance point of view then do the do the two disciplines this kind of real world racing and e-racing
1: do they help each other I think there was there was a few times during the uh during the Volta Espana that I I could have sworn it was People hadn't got the memo that this was a world tour race, and they thought it was a Kermise or a or a, a, um, a Zwift race because it was just full gap. And of course, those were the stages that weren't covered from start to finish. But stage ten, we it had the it was the day that Stora won his second stage um, with the Berg at the end. The first two and a half hours of that bike race were m- flat chat. Like we had Gruppetto forming with 40 Ks forty k's in and we raced for another 60 kilometers. It was a 200 kilometer stage and the the breakaway didn't go until a hundred kilometers in. That was two Zwift races back to back essentially. And it was just flat chat nonstop. Um, I think we, we raced through the feed zone. That's how long we raced, but it, it then settled down. It also was 10 days into the bike race, which doesn't really get simulated online. The sheer amount of pain that you have to go through to make sure that you're holding that wheel, because obviously if you are dropped in the first 20 minutes of that bike race, you are you're outside time limit. You are not coming back. It's very, uh, reminiscent of my, uh, Zwift racing from last year. But yeah, the, the, the time spans in Zwift, which I can completely understand. No one wants to be doing four hours on the trainer doing the one race.
3: I mean, I suppose the other question is, does road racing make you a better Zwift rider?
1: I think it, once again, it depends on what type of road racer you are. So I think, um, Alex Dowsett's done a lot of, a lot of chats about this sort of thing. It's
3: yeah, I, I, I coach Alex Dyson, so I've had to sit through a lot of those.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, his his uh, experiences with the program have been pretty um, uh, mixed, I would say. But um, it's, it's highly watts per kilo based. So if you are a Watt Monster that doesn't have a very good watts per kilo, you're not going to you're not going to have a very good um experience with swift and the racing side but and 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 the other the other thing is you know not everyone on the road is 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 going to be the winner like there 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 there's there's 99% of races that you start you lose you know it's probably even more like 99.9% of races you start you lose and I've certainly got no chance of racing against Jaspers Phillips in a flat sprint. Like, zero chance. I'm not sure if you noticed, but in that turkey intermediate sprint, Jasper had to break to allow me to get those extra seconds. <laughs> um, the so like but on Zwift, our sprints almost become comparable because it's watts per kilos based. Yeah. And we put out similar watts per kilo. So
3: in the real world you're a climber.
1: Absolutely. On Zwift,
3: Zwift you're an all-rounder. I'm an
1: all-rounder. And that's that's where using it as the exception, not the rule, is probably the best way of uh, looking at it. But we both get the same workout. We'd both be knackered at the end with the same sort of result of a super hard, high-intensity workout, perfect for adapting into a more broad exercise regime
3: if you wanted to swap to just zwift Zwift racing i don't think for a second you do but if you were would you change the training you're doing would you be trying to mold yourself into a slightly different kind of rider
1: is is there a zwift type rider you'd be trying to edge towards absolutely absolutely like i haven't looked at much of the zwift um racing this year but last year when i was in the aero team it was it was quite clear the the ideal Zwift racer was someone who had just enough watts to not get dropped. So probably about, if, if you could do five watts per kilo for the hour, that was sweet. But then you needed a sprint for 20 seconds that was about 14 to 15 plus watts per kilo. Yeah. So you didn't need, I wouldn't need to do 20 hours a week of training. I, I could ramp that right back down and get, and, and, and instead of the polarized model, which is 20% intensity, 80%, you know, endurance based, you could ramp that right up to 40% um, intensity based and just be putting out FTP and VO2 and anaerobic efforts as much as you wanted um, whilst losing a bunch of weight as well, because you don't need to survive however long the grand tour was 90 hours or something. Um, because once again, as weight drops down and FT- and power goes up, well, you burn a lot more calories with higher power numbers, but it's a lot harder to store all that glycogen with lower mass, um, because your muscles just can't hold enough glycogen.
3: Does e-racing stay part of cycling, part of road cycling in the same way that, you know, cycle across slash road and track slash road, do you get e-racing slash road or does it end up being kind of a separate thing? I don't quite want to say like BMX because that's not terribly comparable, but it's, it you know, does it end up being a bit of cycling that actually is populated largely by people who just do that or is there going to be a crossover?
1: Um, I don't think so because if you think about it, a lot of the track endurance guys, um, have come over to, to the, to the road scene pretty, pretty, um, and adapted pretty well. I mean, it's not really, it's, it's slightly different in the sense that, yes, you're actually on a bike and you're moving around a track, but you're only turning left. So, you know, and if you're, if you're a rider that's only done the individual. I bet you don't tell Filippo
3: Gala that he just turns left.
1: Well, you know, look at that. He's world champion. So it yeah. clearly, you know, four kilometer. You know, yeah. Pretty sure he's got the world record in the four kilometer, or that was just oh, by, not anymore. Ashton Ashton um, Lambie has it now. Ashton not. Lambie, but yeah. you know, he yeah, he no has one, held it. Yeah, no one would tell him that. Oh, well, you've got no bunch skills because you've only turned left on a track mm. for four kilometers. You can't do real world racing. You know, it's very similar to Zwift. You know, it things can be taught, and you know. I don't, I'm not saying that Ghana just went from riding on the track to winning the World Championships on the road. I think there's, you know, once again, there's nuance in all of this, but I think there can be crossover. Um, yeah. I would personally like to see if they time the Zwift World Champs a bit better, which I don't think there's been an announcement yet, but I would love to have a Zwift World Champs at the correct time of year maybe even doing during June when everyone has their national champs in Europe to get more of the guys from the peloton into these races with the established swifters i think it would be interesting to see the pure watts of the peloton go up against the the you know the the game knowledge that the, the, the Zwifters have plus they've also got decent watts as well so um and then also adding in some extra things like we're gonna take you guys out of your comfort zone and give you a two-hour race you know instead of the the 40 minutes that we have been doing stuff like that i think i think yeah. there is chance for there to be this crossover
3: and that's the thing about Zwift it's part of cycling now partly it's a discipline in its own right Partly it's a game, partly it's a tool for athlete development. As Jay says, it works the same way that cyclocross or track riding relates to road racing. The traffic has been two-way and it's going to keep being two-way. There are some monster athletes on Zwift and there are some very sophisticated racers there as well. The whole thing is the real, virtual deal. Personally, I've done more racing on Zwift in the last few years than I have in real life. It's been a racing fix I can get by going no further than my watt bike, and that's something that I just love being able to do. My thanks to Kristen, Dan, and Jay for talking to me, and my thanks to Cycling Weekly for supporting the show.
2: heard a stripped media production.